sometimes you just feel tired, feel weak, and when you feel weak, you feel like you want to just give up, but you gotta search within you, try to find that inner strength, and just pull that shit out of you, and get that motivation to not give up, and not be a quitter, That is right, we are back live after a week of Earth Barons are not feeling good. Um, it's called pneumonia, and it was not fun at all. Um, when I tell you, I because I, I normally get sick once a year, it always happens. It's normally bronchitis, sometimes it's the flu. I have bad chest problems, so shot, man. I, I was. To be honest, after this past week, that's what I've been thinking about. Um, just like five bucks. And I'm still not 100%. Um, I tried walking to class today and about passed out. Um, I wasn't even able to go see Corey Black. Uh, Winston, thank you. I'm going to actually give you a call as soon as I get off air, brother. Thank you for joining with us. I didn't even get to go to Corey Black's uh, Fall League, which happens every Sunday. It happened at Hardaway this past Sunday. I don't know where it's going to happen next Sunday, but check out my Facebook. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to share it uh, before then. I wasn't even able to go to that yesterday because I'm still not 100%, but I cannot, after all what has happened in the sports world since we last talked on 88.5, too much has happened for me not to come back. Um, but I will say this. I I threw up so much that I popped the blood vessel in my eye. That shows you, oh, you the pain. you scary red yes. thing in your eye? Yes. You see it right now? I don't see it right now. Um, it, it's it's embarrassing. Um, I have I didn't shave. Yesterday, when I went out to go get food for the first time, I was eating real food for the first time yesterday in a week. When I went out to get food, I was like, I have to shave. I look like a guy from Jeepers Creepers. I look like him. Serious. I look like the scarecrow from Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I have my long hair. I got the facial going everywhere. I got bloodshot red eyes. I mean, it was embarrassing. I said, I got to clean myself up. Thank y'all for joining us again. We have Joe Norman. Uh, Joe joining us right now guys please please leave a comment below we're gonna be talking tiger woods talking auburn football talking not auburn football we're gonna be talking about the abysmal the atrocious the monstrosity the embarrassment that is only having 200 total yards against a team that's 124th in the country in pass defense and gave up 49 points north texas named the score on arkansas last week in arkansas's own building and Auburn managed 200 yards of offense. And if it didn't come from one drive that had 10 plays, 75 yards, the total amount of yards is, what, 115? And if it wasn't for special teams and defense, Auburn probably wins the game 10-3. to That is more cause for concern than losing to LSU. So we'll be getting into that. We're going to be talking to Falcons. To, to my guy to the left, he hated on him. And he deserved to be hated on. We called him Yarkeesian. We didn't even get... He wasn't even worthy of being called his own name. And the last two weeks, this man has gone nine for nine in the red zone. Yep. Nine different touchdowns. Steve Sarkeesian is calling plays that we thought he would be doing. He has taken this offense where we thought it would go. He has made Calvin Ridley look all pro. Still wondering why Julio Jones cannot catch a touchdown pass. I, just mind-boggling. Our friend Jonathan Rome shared a stat saying Calvin Ridley caught three touchdowns in, a, in, a, in, one, in one single game. Julio Jones has caught three touchdowns in the last 19 games. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. We're going to get into that. 
Um, what else were we going to get into? Uh, the and then their injuries are piling up on the defensive Which side. Which we thought we thought the defense would be the answer this year, and then the offense is stepping up right now. We, me, me Tip Lynch, Wendell Barfield, Jonathan Rome. If you were to ask us at the beginning of the season where do we had most confidence, it would be on the defensive side. Guess who doesn't have any? Any secondary anymore with Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal, both of their back end. And before everyone starts blaming injuries, every single team has injuries. Exactly. So we're getting to that, and we're going to talk into Braves baseball. I I know it seems like, guys, we y'all live in Atlanta. Why just drop the gloves and not talk about the Atlanta Braves? Well, because the season doesn't matter until now. And that September and October. September and October. They just clinched the division. We'll let Wendell go off with the stats and stuff. We'll do that in the second half. Before we get into any of that, Everybody watched what happened yesterday on or in Atlanta. And that's not the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm not talking about an NFL team. I'm talking about what happened. Name the course. God, it's off the top of my head. I memorized Atlanta Congressional? I can't remember what it's called. I can't either. And it, I memorized it before I got here. Tiger Woods. For a guy, and this is um, someone that is not an avid golf fan. I don't consider myself an expert I don't I've never swung a golf club in my life but the only reason I have watched as much golf as I have this year is because of one man and that's Tiger Woods when they say no one is the needle no one moves the needle East Lake East Lake East Lake that's what I thought yeah East Lake no one moves the needle no one is the needle Tiger Woods is a sport of golf and they're talking about people like me I'm watching the sport because of one man and one man only, Tiger Woods. There's either a golf nut, which is like Tip Lynch, Tip you, Lynch and me, Johnny, and like like, Johnny Shuck, uh, Jonathan Buckets, Shusky. I know a lot of people like Spieth and like uh, Rory and people like that, but like, and I, I'm just beyond like it brings the black crowd like into watching golf. I mean, I think their ratings went up 187 percent of this. I thought weekend. it was like 206. It was something insane. It was like, oh, that was the overnight number. Okay, so yeah, yeah. there's the overnight number. So they probably have the right one now by this time. I mean, it's just insane. Like what he does for the game of golf, what he drives. And like you said, the picture, I think you mentioned the, the picture. If you see the overhead picture, like a drone picture of, have you uh, ever seen anything like that before? Cause I, I want to get your intake. So I don't want you to go off yet. Have you ever in your life ever, and you've watched a lot of golf. Okay. Have you ever seen crowds like that before? I mean, other than it like looked a, like a Messiah. It looked like Jesus Christ had just landed on the planet, and we're going back to biblical days of having millions and millions of people following him. And this is Tiger Woods and golf. Have you ever seen something like that in your life? Never. And I mean, if it's a, if it's like the the, uh, the Masters or the U.S. Open, like yeah, you're going to see these crowds no matter what because it's obviously it's a major championship and things like that. But this is for the FedEx. Uh, the FedEx Championship. This is the middle of football season. Yeah, um, and it's just insane what he does for the game of golf. Like how popular he's made it. His shot, his shot shaping ability, uh, the way he can um, drive the ball brings crowds, and, and just how electric he is. Especially when he wins the fist pump. No one really kind of like was like emotional or um, kind of like uh, I can't think of the word right now, but just like emotional after he wins. Like everyone just kind of like a little fist pump, but he's like gets into it, pumping the crowd up and things like that. And it just kind of like everyone plays into that because everyone. Loves the excitement. He's an exciting player. That's the word I was looking for. You know what has happened, which would be mind-boggling to think 15 years ago, is that Tiger Woods has now become human. 
We're talking about a guy that single-handedly dominated a sport like we've never seen before in our entire lives. And he has come back down to earth. And this guy was treated like a god when he won. During those hey years of, of prime, of dominance, of the 14 major championships that he has won. Uh, during that time of dominance, you never in your wildest dreams would think Tiger Woods, the underdog. And that's what's being sold. That's the human factor that, I, that for me... Which is crazy to think that he's an underdog, and we love the underdog that, story in America. Exactly. How can that happen from a guy that that dominant to now he is the underdog that everyone is cheering for? And I don't care what you say. Those players still are intimidated by him. Those players still respect him. And those players know, they know, their sport is nothing Nothing They're not millionaires without him. without him. Not even close. I mean, they might, some of the top guys might be millionaires, yep. but like, now you can be the 100th ranked player in the world and you could be a millionaire. And it's insane. Like, if I told you the 100th uh, ranked player, you wouldn't even know who he is. No. And he's got a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. And it's just insane. Especially the web.com tour, which think of it as the minor league baseball. Is anybody watching this if Tiger's not winning it? No, no. not at all. I mean, obviously, like, other than the golf nut fans, I mean, it'd probably get the same ratings as it usually does. But now you have the Ryder Cup coming up this weekend, uh, especially with a with a college football slate that's not as exciting. There's a few games, NFL slate early in the season. I think the Ryder Cup is going to be a lot more exciting with Tiger. Are you going to be watching it? Oh, I'm definitely going to be watching. I love that Ryder Cup is so fun because you get it's like country versus country and things like that, and everyone gets into it, especially Patrick Reed, even yeah. if you don't like him. Patrick Reed versus but, Roy McIlroy, 2016. But, but go ahead, give me what was your thought. When watching it, was it Saturday? You knew that he wasn't win- losing this golf tournament. What, what was your thought watching it? Well, the it? comeback coming on Sunday, I thought it was it was impressive by him, like facing a little adversity, coming back and winning. But Saturday, I kind of thought he had it in the bag. He kind of struggled at first uh, early on Sunday. Um, I guess later on Sunday, but he played anyway. Uh, yeah, I thought it was his tournament to lose, just the way he was playing. Everyone's behind him, all those people there. Um, but what I'm most excited about is he's he's healthy. Like I, I personally, if you know me. Me and my dad, me and my dad are Tiger haters. Um, I love watching him play golf. I just like to watch him lose because, I, I don't know, I just like to hate on him. I don't know what it is. Just, being, okay. a, just being a hater. But I, he, okay. I, I love that he, that he drives the sport of golf up. TV ratings are up, more publicity and things like that. But like I said, I'm, I'm excited because he's healthy again. He's going to drive the game of golf up, and I want him to do like Jack Nicklaus did at one point, or, uh, later in his career. Play only 16 to 18 tournaments a week. Like Me, me, me and my dad talked about this early, uh, earlier today. And how Jack Nicklaus really only played 16 to 18 tournaments a year out of, uh, I mean, 52, 53 tournaments or whatever there are. Um, I just think if he can do that and manage his schedule right, I think he has a great opportunity to be compete in majors, which is that's all you can do. You're not going to say you're going to win a major. You have you got to compete for one. Right. If you're there on Sunday within a few shots, you always have a chance. And I think Tiger, with the way he's been playing lately, I think Tiger has a great chance of, uh, of honestly, uh, being able to win a major this next upcoming year. I don't know what major. I'd like maybe to see the Masters, the U.S. Open, obviously, because right. those are my two favorites. Um, but it's just exciting to see him back. And I love that he's healthy. Again. That's the main part, people. He's staying out of trouble, and he's healthy. healthy. So um, Now, this has been made a big deal around a lot of people that cover golf or call themselves golf advocates or golf experts. I'm going to ask you this. Um, people talk about how Ty- Roy McIlroy was minus nine. Minus nine. Minus, what, three off the lead? Yeah, three. uh, Going into Sunday, and he played as bad as he did. They attribute that to the Tiger Woods effect. Do you agree that that had an effect on Roy McIlroy? I totally agree. I mean, you can just see, like, 
during like the progression of the of the course, like Tiger's gaining momentum, Rory's just like, wow, this is insane. Like, I I don't know if I could beat him. Just the momentum he's getting, which is kind of crazy to think you have momentum in golf because it's one shot at a time, right? Um, but I mean, you could just kind of see it was kind of demoralizing Rory. He's like, wow, I've never had to face this before. It's intimidating, and it people is. used to be intimidated by Tiger when he played. And now he's 40-something years old, and he's still still doing the same thing. You it have, took some time, but he's back. You have 40,000 people that don't even care. I mean, they're on the hole where you're at, but they don't even care what you're doing. They care about the guy behind you. I know that has to be an effect on, someone, on someone's mind when they're playing golf, especially when golf is a 95%, 99% mental game, and you have to deal with not only that, you have to deal with 40,000 people Wanting you to lose because they want that man, man to, to win. win. Exactly. That's a good point. Um, and also, I want to make up the point how you said he's the greatest of all time. Since it's a, it's not a team sport, it's an individual sport. I'm not going to say yet. I know he's two away from Sam Snead for 82 wins all time. I think he's already ahead of Jack. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, once he passes Jack or if he ties Jack, I will then concede. But since it's an individual sport and he did take some time off, if Tiger can at least win one more, which I already kind of consider him and Jack 1A, 1B, I would, I would gladly put Tiger over Jack Nicklaus. But since it's an individual sport like tennis and golf, like everyone always mentions those two sports, if you want to play an individual sport, I got to see him win one more. You got at least, at least one more. At least one more. So if he's able to win two majors and go on his dominant run next which year. Which he could play 10 more and years. He's, he and he's the number one golfer in the world. He wins, let's say, five or six tournaments. Which um, is an awesome Which year. include two majors, which would be a dominant. Going back to Dude, 15 years ago. Year. If, if he did that... Would you concede? I would con- totally because he would be at Sam with Sam Snead at 82 wins all, all, at all times. Actually, so. he would you would already broke him. He would have yeah, won exactly, more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He would have won three or four point. more. If he wins three tournaments, he breaks Sam Snead. And if he wins two more majors, he's two off of Jack. I, see, it's hard to say he's not the greatest of all and time. I, and I agree. Why I understand why people say he is, but like when you argue Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and stuff like that, it's a team sport, and a lot of it has to do with the team. And I know they're great and they do both right. great things for their team. But once he wins that one major. I will gladly concede because I, I mean, I hate, I love to watch him lose, but it's, it is great to see him win, though. I'm happy to see him is win. It not great, and it's great for the sport of golf. Yeah. And, and now the Ryder Cup is pumped up by 10 now. Yes. It's awesome. And another thing that they have going for them, I mean, you still have Tiger versus Phil going to happen in November, Thanksgiving weekend. Exactly. That's going to be fun to watch. But next year, golf did an amazing, amazing, amazing thing, which was trying to not compete with the NFL, which is moving their sport back a month. Now they dominate the. They will completely dominate the month of August with the Ryder Cup, with the with the uh, Tour Championship uh, tournament they just had this past weekend. They'll have the. Uh, they moved their last major now to May, so now you can have a major. What April, May, June, June. and July. Yeah, that's how it should be because you're not comp- in the month of June and July. It's baseball, ha- baseball, which you will completely dominate with Tiger Woods playing the way he's playing, and. After the NBA Finals, the first week of June, you, you're, you're not going to free agency, yeah. and that's it. That's it. Or so, summer ball, if you care about that. And I think golf fans, as yourself, the golf players, everyone agrees that this is the best decision for golf because now, and look at the it, perfect timing, right? Tiger Woods coming back, being dominant, and you're going to change it where now you can dominate the month of August. Perfect, perfect timing for, the, uh, for golf. I think we spent like 20 minutes on golf. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we never do that here, but... Tiger Woods is, is well-deserved of the publicity that he is getting. Um, and watching him, again, show those emotions after the tournament, I, I just, again, I know the, there are a lot of Tiger haters out there. And I'm, I'm not a Tiger hater. I'm a Tiger fan hater. Because I think the Tiger fans are unrealistic like Bama fans can be. 
But all jokes aside, that's great for the sport of golf. And if you weren't watching that, you were living under a rock. Which I will say, which my dad mentions, and he says it all the time, who is who is uh, Tiger had to play against in his early years. Like Jack had to play against Trevino, Arnie, yep. Gary Player, Miller, Watson, Trevino, all those guys. Um, which I do agree with, and he does have a lot of first 22 seconds and nine-thirds, which Tiger really isn't close to. But uh, just his dominance, which you have to acknowledge, I understand uh, why you think it's Jack really, is it's better. Re- it's really a preference, but... Again, there's I, I, there's no disputing that Tiger Woods moves the needle way more than Jack and Nicklaus that's the thing, ever could. And he moves the needle like unlike anybody else, and, and that's that's what drives the the greatest of all time conversation. Right, which me. is it's hard. It depends on your criteria yeah. what you want the greatest to be. But I think we all agree that no one no one has carried the sport quite like Tiger. Totally has. agree. All right, moving on from we gotta Ti- get into football, man. Yes, moving on from <laughs> Tiger Woods. And if you look into the description for the show when I put it on Facebook Live, again, you can, this is Drop the Gloves on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. You can call in at 706-507-8617 or leave a comment on my Facebook Live. Type in Thrift, T-H-R-F-T, Behringer. Leave a comment, share the video. I put in the description, Auburn's atrocious offensive performance. And I think that is to being kind. We talked about this before we went into Tiger. North Texas, North Texas in the same division, the Sun Belt, that Troy's in, was able to name the score on Arkansas in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, North Texas. So what happens the next week after Auburn lays the egg against LSU? And I said, Auburn should win that game by 10 points or more. And they obviously did not do that. They obviously didn't learn from the previous year about how to stay with your foot on the pedal. You don't get conservative. It sounds like a coaching problem. No, no, it can't be a coaching problem because you're paying him $49 million. It can't, it can't be a coaching problem. There's no way you would sign someone seven years, $49 million to make the same mistake he made the previous year because most great coaches get better from the previous year, correct? Learn you learn from, from the mistakes. Except exception Andy Reid on timeouts. By the way, I don't care what you say. The best play caller in all of sports. Is Andy Reid. And it's not even close. It's not even close. I totally agree with that. But game managing, not, not his forte. No. He needs to hire some Harvard grad for that <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> Just like pay attention to the clock. We'll get in that uh, Andy Reid and the, and the Chiefs uh, yeah. in a moment. Sorry. Stand, that's a tangent. Auburn. 225 yards of total offense. Now, it could have been 41-3, to a terrible block in the back call um, right before halftime. Obviously was not a block in the back. Should have been a, a return for a touchdown. That's beside the fact. Shouldn't even matter. If, all, if you're an Auburn fan or an Auburn supporter and you are not concerned about the performance that what happened this past Saturday, even though Auburn won by 31, you have a long... Long season ahead of you, because your expectations are way out of way out of bounds. Just a heads up: North Texas ran for ninety five and threw for three seventy six the week before. <laughs> you can't run the you couldn't run the football on Arkansas. You couldn't keep Jared Sidham upright on Arkansas. The only good thing about the offensive line through the first three weeks is the pass blocking. Which is kind of weird. And it disappeared. 
Six sacks almost Arkansas had on Jared Sidham. You talked about this off air. Auburn's receivers, which has always been a development problem since day one of Gus Malzahn. What has happened with the receivers? None of them want to come back to the football. When Jared Sidham's rolling Scramble out. Scramble drill. When you see Toa, Toa. Tua. 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 When you see him scram- uh, scramble, what do you see every one of the Alabama? Everybody's come back to the ball. Wanting to get the football because they know they're going to get it from him. If you see the best to do it, watch Aaron Rodgers. Because yeah. that's, that's probably all they practice anyway. Yeah. He just runs outside and makes the play. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally agree. Go, go ahead. Finish your point. <coughs> There's the pneumonia. It's coming back, guys. Auburn will win eight games, seven games. Wow. Mark my words. Unless a dramatic change happens on the offensive side of football. Seven, eight games. And not even mention how Kevin Steele felt after the game. Because, now, Mississippi State looked terrible against Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky's but I also, good. And I was about to say, maybe Kentucky's a lot better because they completely smashed Mississippi State. They smashed Florida on the road as well. Yep. Kentucky's the second best team, in my opinion, in the East. Them and Missouri are 2A, 2B. And who knows, by November 3rd, that could be a game Georgia and Kentucky playing for At the SEC. Kentucky. Both could be undefeated. Who knows? Mississippi State's defensive line. Texas A&M defensive line, Georgia's defensive front, and Alabama's defensive front. That's who all Auburn has to play, and I'm willing to put all those defensive fronts in the top ten. And your offensive line's going to block that when you couldn't block Arkansas, the worst football team in the SEC right now? Not even Vanderbilt's not even the worst anymore. Vanderbilt's Convince okay. me otherwise why you think this Auburn team can win ten games this year. I mean, if you just look at last year, like the second half of the year. I mean, yeah, but the, the, the offensive line still had talent, though. The talent fair. was still there. Well, I, I don't see that talent there this year. Well, like you said at the beginning of the year, it took Auburn a few a few uh, weeks or a couple months, you could say, for the offensive line to kind of develop, which I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That obviously, if they're at Auburn, uh, they're they're going to have some sort of talent, which right. I think they do. Um and, and like how Jarrett Sidham got rolling. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I don't personally think this is going to happen, but how Jarrett Sidham got rolling towards the end of the year last year and started making plays with his feet. And you could tell, I think, the first offensive touchdown Jarrett Sidham scored, it was uh, they couldn't score in the red zone the first few tries. And then Jarrett Sidham said, screw this. He rolls out to the left and lowers his shoulder on a linebacker at the line, at the end zone, on the goal line. I mean, he just said, screw that. The offense cannot move the ball. Like you said, the re- the receivers on the scramble drill never come back. They just stand there. And what's what's the... Passing route. There's no immediate passing. There's no intermediate passing routes. It's either it's that's why it's so screen easy. or deep. It's is so easy to guard Auburn's receivers because it's one, it's either a deep route, which if they keep running, it's gonna be a deep route. And if they stop, it's obviously a short route. And then if it's a scramble drill, they're just gonna stand there. They're not gonna do anything. And that's that comes back to coaching. You have to tell your players what to do, how to do it, and practice that within practice, obviously. It it just makes no sense how Gus Malzahn's been there for so long. And how, how many games he's won, especially beating Alabama, Georgia, he's beaten LSU before, and how he just doesn't have these fundamentals in a, and could be, and it would be a great offense. And I think it's a disservice to Jarrett Stidham to be in this offense. This dude might be the best quarterback in the country. He could be. I mean, you can argue that. Yeah. And this offense is hurting him because it's not playing to his strengths. If Jarrett Stidham can throw, throw those dig routes, the in routes, the deep, uh, the comebacks and stuff like that, I mean, I think Auburn's offense could be a, easily a top five in the country. You cannot ex- tell me that it couldn't be. And ta- with all the talent wise. I, I completely agree. And honestly, I don't, it's not even the, the play calling because this is something that has been continuous, been a problem for Gus Malzahn. But once. 
I like to say once the poop hits the fan, that's when you really know what kind of team you have, and it's hitting the fan right now. So moving forward, only thing I can ask for any Auburn supporter, Auburn fan, is that you believe that Gus Malzahn, because you got to, because you're paying him $7 million a year. You got to. There's no other option. Unless you want to pay people are talking million. About firing him, it's a $38 million buyout. He's not getting fired. The only option you have is that you believe that, and this has been a, a, a theme, is that Auburn's offensive line and running game always starts slow. If you want to go back to 2013, uh, Cam Newton in 2010. This is your point earlier in the year. That it takes, and this is what I thought Auburn was could mask this because of the greatness of Jared Sidham. Low did I not know that Auburn would get in its own way. I thought that after a season, an offseason, a full season of playing in the SEC, that you would learn the strengths of Jared Sidham and know when to make the correct play calls, and it seems like none of that is possible with Auburn right now. Great deep ball thrower. He Probably a great intermediate thrower, but we don't know. It, it is sad, too, because all, I, asked, I asked my friend Clayton, who is a gigantic Auburn friend, Clayton Shirley, shout out Clayton, how do you guys get these top I completely receivers? Agree How that do you get all. these top receivers? Nate Craig Myers was the number one receiver in 2016. Dis transfer. Pickens is probably the number three, and he's coming next year. I just don't understand. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. Mad Dog, we were talking about Tiger Woods. Uh, in my opinion, he's the greatest of all time. I love watching him play. Um, it's a preference of what you want to be, what the goat is. Um, but there is no doubt, and I and. Mad Dog, who is a, a person that I consider a golf expert, uh, Madison Tucker, uh, he's one of the main. Uh, Mad uh, Madison is along with Tip there, and and I'll say Jonathan Buckets too. Those two guys are one of the main reasons I was able to watch as much golf this year because of how much they keep up with it and how they kept saying, "Believe, believe, Tiger's back, believe, believe, believe." Lo and behold, I was one of those that used to make fun of them for keep believing. No more making fun of. Now I look like the idiot. So I do want to say this. Uh, <laughs> Matt Dog says, womanizer. That I'm not going to get into that. Womanizer, you're calling out Jack Nicholas. Uh, but I, I will agree with you, Mad Dog, and I think you agree with me too. If Auburn doesn't change, I don't. I, four losses, Auburn easily goes seven and five. Right now, who's a better team, Texas A&M or Auburn? I'm going to say Texas A&M. They just had to play two tougher teams. If you play... I don't like to say if you played at Texas A&M or if you played it, if you played on a neutral field, I think Auburn would be favored by three points, and I think it'd be a very close game. But I think Kellen Mond, he would give Auburn's defense fits, and uh, I just don't know how Auburn would move the ball on them. I just don't. When we get back from break, we're going to be talking Georgia football. Yes, there are some question marks in Athens. We're going to be getting into that, talking about the Atlanta Falcons, talking about the Bravos, and any more Tiger Woods comments, please bring them in. This is Drop the Gloves on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Call in at 706-507-8617. We'll be right back in a minute and a half here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. This was playing in Tiger's head when he was winning his uh, tour championship yesterday. 
I will say this as a fan of, of sports. I again I cannot fathom or cannot explain enough how many chills I had down my body watching the crowds follow this man. It is it was one of the more unbelievable scenes I've ever seen. And I know Mad Dog, he actually went on Saturday when he had the six straight uh birdies on, you know, the first nine holes. Just complete, complete dominance by the greatest of all time, the guy that is the sport of golf, Tiger Woods. Um, Tiger is the reason they all make money, which I, I completely agree, Mad Dog. Um, th- there's no dispute in that. Uh, Christian Young asked a question. I'm glad he asked He's this a question. Fan, by the way, and I, I'm glad he asked this question. Can anyone explain the definition of a clean hit in the NFL, please? Clay Matthews can't do no more anymore to oblige the new rule than what he has done the last two weeks, and I completely agree. I watched that hit. I watched it probably 15 times. I did like too. Different angles. And I, I cannot fathom how else are you supposed to sack a quarterback. And if that would have happened with my team, I would have been livid. Wouldn't have been able to. I would have been beside myself. Probably would have broke a TV. <laughs> you that been viral throwing your TV off the balcony. That's how bad of a call that was. Something's got to change. Got to change. Or we're going to see more and more. Um, who was the defensive end that just got hurt because he was trying it was to let... the Lions. I can't remember his name, but it was the just, Lions player. Just tore his ACL because he doesn't know how to tackle the QB. He, he didn't want to hurt him. It's like, it's almost to the point now, we'll just put a red jersey on him, and if you touch him, they're down. Because that's what the NFL wants. They don't want their star athletes gone, which we understand, and we don't want what Anthony Barr did last year. That was completely uncalled for, picking up Aaron Rodgers and slamming so him to the ground. Slam him to the ground. That's not what... Clay Matthews is doing, which is why I is this. Do you think this is more the referees are saying, "Hey, Green Bay, you're the main reason we're having to do this daggum rule." I bet we're just gonna call it on you all the time. A little conspiracy theory going. I mean, seriously, why do they keep calling on Clay Matthews so much? It makes no sense. I mean, if you watch the play, I mean, yeah, he hits him hard, but what do you want him to do? Slow down so he slows down, and then Alex Smith can get rid of the ball now. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. He hit him clean. He didn't drive him into the ground. He hit him. He even said he went up in his press conference after the game, or his his interview after the game, right after, you know, in his locker. He says, I mean, I went up to Alex Smith. I said, what, what, what could I have done? I mean, there's literally nothing he could have done different there. He didn't drive him into the ground. He didn't pick him up. He just tackled him at running at full speed. And like I said, if he slows down, what if Alex Smith gets the ball off it's a touchdown? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you want him to do. I understand you want to protect quarterbacks. Right. Um, but you can't hit him high, low. You can't even hit him in the middle now, like a receiver now. Yeah, but this, and, and, and then again, majority of the flags that are called or thrown is because the quarterback has already released the football, and then you're seeing the, the tackle go down, even though sometimes it's hard for them to stop. This was an actual sack. The quarterback had the football, so he had to be hit. He had to be taken down. If he wasn't taken down, the play's going to continue on. So what did you want Clay Matthews to do in that instance? Just to push him? If he just pushed him and he doesn't fall down, the play still goes on. He had to tackle him. He had to bring him to the ground. I don't know how you call that. I really don't. Makes no sense. And it's disgusting to watch because, I mean, that's two weeks in a row Green Bay's gotten robbed. I mean, twice in a row. Two weeks in a row. It's insane. And it's, and it's pitiful for the league, and it makes the league look terrible. Yeah. And like you said, it could be, maybe, maybe it's because of this Aaron Rodgers thing. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know what they could do other than, like you said, put a red jersey on them and touch them. Yeah. Two and, two and touch. Sorry, Christian. I, I really don't. And your and your team is the team that's is definitely reaping the 
non-benefits of this terrible, terrible rule. He's also an Auburn fan, too, so. (sighs) Well, from one offensive performance that I consider the worst in the country last week, which was Auburn's, to another one that I thought was subpar compared to their talent and what happened in Columbia, Missouri. If Missouri doesn't get in their own way and have a few mistakes of their own, in the first half, they easily could have been winning the game. Um, now, I understand Georgia won by 14. I also understand Jake Fromm ended up throwing for three touchdowns and looked a lot better than what he did in the Second first half. half. Yeah. But I think there still has to be cause for concern that you weren't able to run the football like you are normally accustomed to with Georgia, which I understand eight or nine are going to be in the box. So you're going to have to do what Alabama's doing, which is open up the playbook. You didn't seem to want to do that. Or Cheney, Cheney didn't seem to want to do that in the first half. And I'm going to get your reaction. And I thought defensively, Outside of the secondary having a lights-out game, and I thought that number 27, I told you... Eric I, Stokes. Eric Stokes is a complete stud with Tyson Campbell Who going down. really converted two defensive back in one year. They're, the defensive back for Georgia, the defensive backfield, it's, it's the best the in the country. The secondary is the best. I, the it's best better than on Bama. The def- or defense-wise, the secondary is the best part of the defense. Uh, special teams won that game for us. I, I agree, Matt Dolph. The secondary is the best part. If I could take DeAndre Baker... Who, it, again... Best corner in the nation, in my opinion. Best corner in the nation with the lowest self-awareness out of anybody in the country. Because it seems like every single game, you're either going to get a 15-yarder or a dumb play from him. But he's so dominant and can take players out of the game like the leading receiver from Missouri. Leading you receiver, don't care. Leading receiver in the country. You, you don't care. You don't care. You can look past him, his dumb mistakes. I think he opened up the game with a personal foul. He, he's a stud. <laughs> Two causes for concern for me. Georgia not being able to run the football and Missouri running it on them. And again, I don't know. Kirby Smart's going to have a heart attack. Why? Why does your players continue to let the football go before they're in the end zone? It makes no sense to me. I I, I texted you. I, I have no idea why. They can't wait two seconds, which is why one of the biggest gripes I've always had for the University of Georgia, going back to the Rick days, is that it always seems like Georgia's more enthusiastic about celebrating than they are actually scoring the touchdown. He was more ready to celebrate than just get in the end zone. Because he snagged one over a guy and ran down the side. Which would awesome play. And you're about to have that all taken away from you because you can't wait to get in the end zone to drop the football. Take two seconds out of your time celebrating, basically. Give me your thoughts on the game. So, I totally agree they ran the ball a little too... I think they only averaged 3.9 yards or 4.6 yards per carry, which is way too much for Georgia. Uh, Kirby Smart, in every press conference, he says, we are built to uh, stop the run first. And Can I also say this one more before yeah. you go? This is why I do respect Kirby Smart, and which is why Malzahn makes me sick. Because the way Kirby Smart acted after a 14-point win on the road against a way better opponent than Arkansas was infuriated. Missouri might win nine games this year, too. Was infuriated. Was so mad in that first half that he had to compose himself just to be able to do an interview on TV. He had to walk down the other way, yeah. And after the game, I, I know. I know Kirby Smart lit them up. That's how Gus Malzahn should be acting, and it's not, which All is why it makes Auburn me sick. All of say but, that as well. Um, but getting back, kind of like the X's and O's type of thing, um, like I said, they ran the ball way too well, especially in the low red area, <laughs> the red zone area. I think they had two rushing touchdowns, something along the lines of that. No, 
Four. They had four. Okay. Way more. All their, than, all their touchdowns were rushing touchdowns. So they ran way more than I thought. Um, but what Georgia tried to do, which Georgia, like I said, they try to stop the run first. However, with a with an offense like Missouri, Georgia wants to take away the big play. That's how uh, Missouri stays in these big games. That's how they stay in these games are the big plays. They took away Emmanuel Hall. They took out Albert Ukwegabom. Albert O is some people call on how you <laughs> yeah. say it. Um, and guys like that, Demario Crockett and people like that. Um, so it was a lot of two-shell high. Usually Georgia likes to bring a safety, J.R. Reed or Richard LeCount, inside the box to help that with that. But Georgia playing a little bit more nickel and dime that game, bringing an extra defensive back in. I think it hurt Georgia up front. It didn't put the defensive line in a great uh, – defensive line or linebackers in a great uh, in a great uh, role or a great way to stop the run. Um and I think with the tempo also, I think that's the biggest thing, Georgia's problem, is the tempo. When people run tempo in Georgia, people move the ball a lot more. Uh, once Georgia can figure it out, get some guys, maybe like D'Angelo Gibbs, who can play that star position, who's more of a safety cover guy, who can play the run a little bit better, other than like a Walter Grant, uh, I think it'll be better for Georgia in the long run to stop the run. But Missouri has a top six offense in the country. There's a reason why. Derek Dooley has done a great job. They have a lot of weapons. And like like you said, DeAndre Baker, he had he held Emmanuel Hall, the number one receiver in the country so far stats-wise, to zero catches for zero yards. I mean, he's a stud. There's he's no a question. stud. He There's locked no him question. up. There's no question. And all the turnovers Georgia had, I think Georgia had five or four turnovers, uh, or Missouri had four or five. Georgia converted on those. I think Georgia only scored 10 points on those turnovers, or, or 17, something along the lines of that. Anyway, um, and the, and the penalties and things like that. Like you said, Kirby Smart will clean this up. J.J. Holloman dropping the ball. I think that will be handled. I think everybody. They, it was just DeAndre Baker a few weeks ago uh, who had to do some special drills. But now I think everybody is about to do it, is about to start doing it. Um, and, and, and getting into the offense here. Uh, Jake Fromm, first half, the first – First what would you weeks. give the offense in total? Oh, I think his, the first half you got to give him a, a D. I give him a D, and then I, Jake Fromm has looked better in the second halves of games this year so far. Um, in the first half, he looked kind of iffy, but we ran the ball on uh, a ton, like on first down, and they just stacked the box, and it's unfavorable matchups. And I told you this before the show: if you look at Alabama's looks on first down, what what do they do? They run those deep posts, they run the flies, they run the nine routes, whatever you want to call them, and they they run those double moves and things like that. Georgia has that look every single time on first down. Every single time. And, like, let's move Fromm out of the pocket a little bit, give yep. him a little time, throw it to McCole Hardman, Demetrius Robertson, Terry Godwin, J.J. Holland. I mean, I can the name stack anybody. stack receivers stack that you have. receiver core. We have this every single time on first down. And then that opens up the run game. Um, like you said, uh, Cheney not opening up the playbook. What do you uh, give that credit? Is that more Kirby or is that Cheney? I think it's more on Cheney because you can see on that when when that that one video of Kirby going viral of him going ab- going ballistic, uh, he was yelling at Cheney because Cheney's not getting the play in, he's not getting the right play in, yep. and then he starts yelling at Fromm because he's not getting the play in in time, and that and it gave Missouri time to call the timeout because they like the defense they're in. It's just different things like that. Cheney just kind of seemed to revert back to his his Always. first year like with Jacob Eason and kind of things like that when we should have been. Just take some shot. Who cares? People know that we can run deep routes and stuff like that. I don't understand why you have to hide. I think everyone right knows now. that Alabama can run deep routes, and they and do it anyway. And you can't stop them. And people know you have to stop the running against Georgia. So naturally, they're going to put eight, nine in the box. They're going to bring the safety down, and and that means you have single coverage somewhere against all of that talent that you have on the outside. And no one single coveraging McCall Harvin. And you can see on that double move he put on that one guy, the the, the corner post. It was it's human not joystick. Fair. It's not fair. And, and, and I'm, I'm passionate about it because I want Georgia to do well. You know, I'm a big Georgia fan. I just want Cheney to open up the playbook with a little bit deeper 
and more dynamic play calling. We don't get no jet sweeps or anything, nothing really outside. It's zone run, zone run, zone run. We don't even run power. We don't even run power run like Auburn runs. Pulling the guard or trap plays, pulling the guard inside the other by the guard. Just things like that. All in all, Georgia's going to be able to correct these mistakes. They're not mistakes that are going to be detrimental to the, the football team. It is something that, if not corrected by the end of the season when you play against Alabama, will hurt your team down the run, but something that can be easily, easily be corrected. And you play a team that, honestly, you should be able to name the score in the first half on them. Totally agree. Against Tennessee. We'll get in the picks and stuff in a moment. I want to have time to talk about the Falcons and, and Braves. And real quick, for my Fields lovers out there, I love Justin Fields. Shut up. Thank you. He does not need to play. Just Thank shut you. up. Thank you. Jake Fromm is the guy. He played He played very well in the second half. The first half was Why iffy. are you doing this to him? Why would you want to give your quarterback that just took you to the national championship no confidence? Exactly. So what are you going to do? If he if he struggles against Tennessee next week, you know, first two drives that go three and out, are there, you, Jordan Bambay no. is going to start booing him? Put Fields in? Put Fields in? Are you kidding me? And people say, we're going to have to use Fields to beat Alabama. We could have beat... Alabama last year with Jake Fromm as a freshman. Yeah. With less talent on all. Well, maybe not the running back position, but the wide receiver position. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, uh, sorry, I just had to say that. No, I completely agree. And I'm I love Justin Fields, and I know you do too, and he's going to be a awesome. stud, yep. And also, Trevor Lawrence starting this week. Yeah. Just real quick. So. But it's not Fields' time. Yeah. It's Fromm's totally. time. Fromm's let, time. Let Fromm develop, please. And Chaney, for the love of gosh. Just throw, just deep if you want to okay. be Alabama... Open the playbook up and stop being so conservative. Moving on from Georgia, we're going to get into the Atlanta Falcons, Braves, and then we're going to get our picks. If we may not have time to get our picks in today, it's okay because we do a show called The Tip and Thrift Show with Wendell Barfield on Wednesdays. You not can so check. much tip lately. Yeah, well, it's the <laughs> Thrift Show with Wendell Barfield on Wednesdays. Check us out on Wednesday. Usually start about 6, 6.30. Um, on Facebook Live, check us out. Go like our page, the Tip and Thrift Show. Also, you can uh, you know easily share that. Me, Wendell, it hasn't been tipped lately, but it'll definitely be me and Wendell, even if Tip's not there. On Wednesday, we'll give our picks and give more in-depth analysis for the games upcoming this weekend. Atlanta Falcons. If you were to tell me Steve Sarkeesian would be 9 for 9 in the last two games in the red zone, I would tell you we'd be undefeated I'll right now me. with an with a elite defense. Now, if you were to tell me that we're losing Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, and everybody else. Our top four paid guys on defense, other than Vic Beasley. You're scared of me. Okay. Multiple things I want to get into. First thing is, I'm really proud of Steve Sarkeesian and his play calling. I'm, I'm done with Doesn't I'm done, listen to the noise. I'm, I'm done with him. I'm done killing him. Last two weeks against great, talented teams in uh, Carolina and New Orleans, he has looked at like an elite play caller. Done with him. Done with uh, Done with the offense. I, I'm, I'm okay with him. I know they're going to score points. The problem is now, with the amount of injuries piling up, is it 2016 all over again where do we even have enough on defense to even slow people down with for our offense to score enough points? Like in 2016, at least it, was, it didn't have a lot of injuries and was able to slow teams down. I don't know if this defense can even slow teams down with the injuries piling up. If you saw what happened against Drew Brees. It's not so much talent, by the way. It's not so much <coughs> Go continue. That's, that spin move that Brian pulled, I would have had him removed from the team. When Drew Brees scored that touchdown, the game-time touchdown, I would have had Brian Poole removed from the team. Like, why, why are you leaping at him? He's not going to juke you out. And once you leap at him and you make it, like, just stop in front of him. What is he going to do? 
It's the slowest spin move I've ever seen in my life. Th- and, and you let Drew, 39-year-old Breeze. A 38-year-old dude or 39 with and a you saw Robert with a Alfred, knee. Robert Alford looked at him like, because he took Robert Alford out the play. He ran into Robert Alford. Alford looks at him like, what are you doing? Just stand there and just Tackle wrap him, him up. Just wrap him up. And I'm guarantee if he grabs Drew Brees, like he's just going to fall down. It just makes no sense. It's- I don't know where to go with this Falcons team other than they're going to have to outscore everyone. And good luck doing that. You let the, the Saints that barely scored 18 points last week come in and name the score on your Granted, defense. I think the Browns have a decent defense, but, they're at, but they're at home in a dome. Which uh, I think helps the Saints this week. It helped the Saints this past week being in a dome. Tat McKinley, him being injured without getting any type of pressure on Drew Brees. Uh, Vic Be- Beasley's been a no show. Uh, the secondary is going to get eaten alive without Ricardo Allen. You better and start signing Neal. people, Thomas Dimitrov. He got to. And that's what my question to you is now. W- w- what's the set moving forward for the Falcons? Because if they don't sign someone, this could be a 7 9 season quickly. Because I, I cannot see this defense stopping anyone. Sean Payton named the score on the Falcons. And did you knew? Every, I think everyone and their mom knew. Once the Saints won the overtime toss, the game was, was over, over with. Yeah. You had no chance of stopping them. Zero percent chance. And, and to start the season off thinking that your defense could be top five, to now wondering if your defense can even stop anybody from the five, What's your thoughts? I, I, it's like I said a minute ago. It's it's not so much a talent problem. It, we're, we don't have any depth. Like people are going to be dead tired yeah. going in late in the games. So we're going to be a a first half to a third quarter team. As my one of my favorite people I like to listen to, Michael Lombardi. Pe- teams are fifty minute teams, which are not good teams, which they can play fifty minutes. Fifty five minute teams, they can play about the last five till the last five minutes of the game, and then there's sixty minute teams like. Pro- like the Eagles were last year, yeah. uh, like the Rams were, kind of. Like the Patriots. The Patriots and things like that. The Falcons are going to be a 45-minute team. We're not going to have any depth on defense. The The offense is going to have to hold the ball long enough to keep the defense off the field. <coughs> and which I don't, I think our offense is so good and how Sarkeesian's calling the plays now, getting touchdowns and things like that. We're going to have to outscore people because there's no way we can play defense. We're going to have to go out and trade for people. Maybe we can go out and trade for Old Thomas. I don't know. Maybe we can. We're gonna have to go out and sign free agents. We're gonna have yeah. to go out and sign older players, and 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 this could be a lost season now. And I don't know how Thomas Dimitrov is gonna handle this or Dan Quinn. It's, it's gonna it, be interesting. It is. It is gonna be interesting because, especially the D like, linebacker and, positions. And it's unbelievable to think about this. 2016, you see the records being broken, and one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL in 2016. You go to a top ten defense, top five defense in 2017 with an offense that took major steps back. And then you come back in 2018 and making necessary strides to get back to that offense in 2016. You think you have the defensive talent you just signed all offseason and injuries pile up. And you're you're right. NFL teams deal with injuries all the time. So this can't be an excuse. Something's got to change. So that means you have to go out and sign veterans. You have to go either Even make a trade players, for Earl 37, Thomas. 38-year-old players. You got to. Unless you want this season to be a lost season. Yep. Um, so we'll get we'll see how the Falcons moving forward. And also, if if you're a better, <laughs> I, I'd be I'd look at the Falcons when they're playing outside. If they're not playing in a dome, the Falcons are going to get destroyed. Hey, Mad Dog's right. If you're better, why would you not bet the over on the Falcons game every single game? Because there ain't going to be 
a lick of defense being played. Moving on from the Falcons, the Atlanta Braves clinched the division. Well-deserved. Five years in the making. Congrats. Uh, they, I, we both thought they were a year away from contending. Anybody that, again, thought that this was going to happen. At least a wild card spot. Yeah. Anybody that thought this was going to happen, you're sadly mistaken. You didn't think that the Nationals are going to be as bad as they were, and you didn't think the Braves are going to be as good as they are. Maybe the irrational fan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about irrational fans because <laughs> they all probably thought the Braves were going to win the World Series, too. They have a chance. They have, I mean, they're in the playoffs, so. Next next week, next week we're going to get into our playoff predicts and stuff. Just give me your just quick analysis so we can get into some picks for NFL and college. Give me your quick analysis on the Atlanta Braves season. I was dead freaking wrong at the beginning of the year. Mike fulton stepped up. Sean Newcomb stepped up in the first half. He hasn't pitched well towards the end, and some of their back half guys. Um, their pitchings look great. And like I said, the offense is going to be there. It's just the pitching is going to matter. Now the bullpen. Now my, that's my question to you now. Have you ever seen a bullpen as bad as because they almost tried to blow the lead on Saturday before they clinched? I think, they were up four to nothing and gave up three runs. What is the deal with this bullpen? And could this be a, a type where no matter how good the offense is, the bullpen will manage which would to matters. blow up in the postseason? Because in the postseason, it's in October. So what happens in October? It gets cold. And bats aren't as hot. You know, the yep. ball doesn't rise or go as far when it's hot outside. Right. Or when it's colder outside, obviously. Um, like, the only team I can really think of are the Giants. Now, they don't – now, the Braves do not have Madison Bumgarner by any stretch. That dude is a different person and different human. I don't even think he is human in the playoffs. He pitches almost every other game, pitches seven innings a game, and they have that one guy in the back of the bullpen that just throws for them. Right. And they, and they try to make it a seven-game series because they try to get Madison Bumgarner as much as possible and score three or four runs a game. Now, that's hard to do in, in October and going into late or early November. Um, but like I said, if if they can get that one guy, if Fulte can do it, and if Sean Newcomb can step up, I can't even think of some of their guys. Kevin Gosman, uh, if those guys can step up and pitch six innings and they can get three innings. I was about to ask, what do you want? you want them to try to go as far as they can, seventh, eighth inning on, or do you want them only to get six and you're willing to get three or four from your bullpen? I think if you can get them really to go as far as you, you have to at least get to the six because of this bullpen because how, how bad it is and how bad it can be. Um, and I think they could be they and some people just flip a switch when they get to the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. What would Dave Roberts do if he had this bullpen? Oh because remember God. last year, every every five minutes, every he's, five minutes is every other batter. I mean, every five minutes. Oh, oh, I got a, I got a new I got a new pitching change. And, and it, hey, it worked for him because they had those guys in the bullpen. But I mean, the Braves. We haven't seen any of these guys for the Braves in the playoffs really. Um, I think I think they could do it, but I just don't see, just from what I've seen, you can predict the, the future by looking at the past, like everyone says, in a way, kind of. So, um, quick prediction right now. I know you don't know who they're going to play and stuff. How far do you think I think it's going to end up being the Dodgers, and I think that is probably the worst team to play right now, other than the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, but I think the Brewers are going to be a wild-card team, and I think they're going to end up playing the Cubs, which I do not like. That's a different conversation. But I think they play the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers might have the second-best lineup in the league. And that's scary to see. You go out to L.A., it's hot out there, which the Braves, they can hit too. Um, but when they get that L.A. crowd, when the Dodgers are in the postseason, it's a little different out it there. Is. No, it is. And um, the last time the Braves made the playoffs, guess who they played? Dodgers. Dodgers in 2013. And, and the Juan, Dodgers are a different beast. And Juan Uribe is still looking at that home run he hit. It, I forgot. Do you remember I totally that? forgot about that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've never seen someone pimp a home run. And it was deserving. I will admit, in 2013 NLDS, when Juan Uribe hit that Ball about 645 billion feet. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, managed, <laughs> he managed to look. Hit into those mountains up there. 
Uh, but I, I, and also, and people are like, well, Clayton Kershaw is not the same. Clayton Kershaw, I know, it, and like I said, he can be a different person in the playoffs. And people are saying he's not that good in the playoffs. The last three playoffs he's been in, he's had a two and a half ERA. And I think in a WHIP under one, which he, walks, hits plus innings pitch, which is le- which is one less walk or uh, hit per inning, things right. like that. And a batting average, I think, below two twenty in the playoffs. He can pitch in the playoffs. His offense doesn't produce when he pitches. That's the problem. And that's, that's the problem. Right. And, and I think that's the problem with that Mike Foltowitz, too, is that... It's called Fulty. Fulty <laughs> is that majority of his great starts, no run support. He could easily have 15, It's kind of weird how the best pitch... Like everyone's like, wow, I don't have to do that much today because Fulty's pitching. Or, yeah. Maybe, remember, that, maybe yeah. that's the mentality, mentality for the hitter is that we don't have to do as much. Maybe we do, I don't have to be uh, as aggressive as because we have the, the elite pitcher uh, pitching for and, us. And I will say this just real quick. If the Braves are going to win the World Series, they're going to have to hit out of their mind because I don't think their pitching can do it. And that's, just my, and that's just my opinion right now. I mean, they could show up first series and they just dominate pitching and they don't have to score that many. And it could happen. But I think that for the Braves to win, it's going to be out through their offense. Stealing bases – Getting on any way you can, and, just things like that. But like you said, it's hard to have hot baseball bats unless you're going quarter. all the way back to the 2007 Colorado Rockies. That's the last time I remember a team just getting hot off their bats. And then when they played a team that had elite pitching, the Red Sox, they got swept. It's done. Um, we have two minutes, two and a half minutes before we end up ending the show, guys. Again, check out the, the Tip and Thrift Show Window Barfield on Wednesdays. Facebook Live, but around 6, 6.30. Leave a comment there. We're going to get more in-depth analysis about what happened this past week and what's coming up this weekend. Just want to do for the Drop the Gloves audience here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Give you three quick games you're going to pick from. Notre Dame-Sanford. Sanford's playing at Notre Dame. Sanford's luck runs out. I think Notre Dame they wins. They lost this weekend. They take, Norgan takes And do you teams. agree that both these teams are not top 10 teams? They're overrated. And like I said, Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, I think they're in the playoff. I, I don't know how they are. I mean, they look they're sloppy. Overrated. They're so overrated. Yeah. And they look awesome but against look, Michigan. But look at their, their schedule. They're going to be favored in every game they play. They do have a couple more tough games coming Who up. Who do you got winning? Sanford I, at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, just because it's a home game for Notre Dame, I think the number, the new the I think they put the new quarterback in, the white kid, can't remember his name. Book. Number 12, yeah, Book. Ian Book. Uh, I think he looks better than Brandon Wimbush. He can actually throw the ball. Uh, I'm just going to take Stan, uh, Notre Dame. Stanford played a tough game last week on the road, playing another tough road game. <coughs> um, I just I think their luck runs out. They should have lost last week. Oregon takes two knees. The game's over. Yeah, what are you doing, Justin Herbert? I mean, just, just snap the ball and fall. You don't even have to take knees to fall down. You don't have to get under center, take it in shot. Unbelievable, and brother. It makes no sense to Mario Cristobal, I mean, like the Ducks. Who if cares you, if you lose You smell like a rushing. duck. You quite like a duck. I guess you're a duck, duck. then. Yeah. Um, moving on from, I think we're both going to go Notre Dame beating Stanford. And let me go ahead and pull up this B-ball real quick. You want to do Georgia-Tennessee? 32 and a half point favorites? Uh, no. <laughs> At Georgia? <laughs> Auburn-Southern Miss? No. Um, there's not many great games. There's, there's not. Uh, two games, my bad, two games I was going to do real quick. Uh, the other top ten game was um, Penn State, Ohio State. State what do you got? State. Real I quick, 30 seconds. It's at Ohio State, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's at Penn State. I it's just think Bama. Ohio State, I think they're a better team. I think Dwayne Hass is going to throw all over them. I think James Franklin's overrated. I think Penn State's overrated as Com- well. Completely agree. Hey, we both got Ohio State winning. And Florida... Dan Mullen back in Mississippi State. Where are you going? I think I'm going to go. go Mississippi State. I am I think, too. I think it's a revenge game type of thing. And I think they had a letdown last week against Kentucky. They're not going to do it this week. They're going to be high off emotion. They're going to blow it. More cowbell. Yeah. Thank you all for watching again. We'll see you on Wednesday on Facebook Live. And everybody else, 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. We will see you all next week. This is Drop the Gloves.
off your back.